Man, people crazy out these streets, bro. I've been grinding since I was like 15 with this music, bro. I've learned that I can't please everybody. And there's been a lot of love, but there's also been misunderstanding, hate, and this box they put me in. And it makes them uncomfortable if I'm not in it. DJ KJ. And I ain't in it. What's up? Welcome back to I Went Out. I'm Manny. I'm Nick. And today we are continuing our interview with uh, Recap Gray. That's Recap Gray from Cottage Grove Church in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, last week we kind of got to hear his testimony and um, a little bit of what he's doing um, at Cottage Grove. Today we're going to kind of dig deeper on the issue of race and um, injustice. Um, so before we really dig deep, um, recap, can you kind of give us just like your thoughts on the climate of, you know, in, in the nation right now, uh, just the injustice that's going on? You know, we have COVID, but um, just just what are your initial thoughts on, you know, our climate as a nation? Yeah, well, to be to be honest, like um, I, I, I really do believe this about the, the pattern I see in scripture. So you'll see like uh you'll see the the israelites uh even from the from the rip you see them in exodus um god brings them out with all these crazy plagues brings them into the wilderness first thing that they do after he does all that is they begin to complain and if you remember they specifically complained about and not having food and water yeah. so they were legitimate needs but their heart was exposed mm. in complaining about legitimate things because the way they went about it was to grumble and complain and to say, God, you should have just left us in slavery. And so that it wasn't the actual nature of their complaint or the content of their complaint. It was it was actually the manner in which they complained that exposed their heart. And then you see the same thing with Saul. Saul was raised up. The people wanted a guy who looked like he fit the role of the king. Yeah. And then, you know, Samuel gives him some very clear instructions. And he decides, yo, I can handle the work of being a king and a priest. So he, he tries to do that. Yeah. And again, um, his heart was exposed. Mm. And you just see this pattern throughout scripture of like God allowing for particular scenarios, not to create a heart posture, mm. but to expose a heart posture. Mm. And and so I think that what we're seeing right now in the nation is really just an exposing, uh, an exposing of the nation's heart posture. Yeah, I really don't think that like we're more divided than we've ever been. I just think our division is more exposed than it's ever been. Mm. Um, and I, I truly don't believe that situations ever create the chaos of one's uh, inner being. I think they only just expose the chaos of one's inner being. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors always uses the example of like a, a water bottle. He, he goes up on stage and he like starts to shake a water bottle mm. um, and then he opens it up and it start, water starts to spill out. And he says, so what caused the water to spill out of the bottle? And most people say, well, it's the fact that you shake it. And he said, no, it's the fact that there's water in the bottle. If there was no water in the bottle in the first place, nothing would come out even if I shook this bottle. Wow. And, so, <laughs> um, and so the shaking of the bottle is what I would call the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And you see this, I mean, Jesus is clear. Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel. I'm, I'm going through the gospel right now. One of the things I love about the way Jesus is, yo, um, it's very much in line with what uh, he says in uh, the in Jeremiah's uh, book, which if you remember, he, he talks about the fact that it's the Lord who searches the heart. It's the Lord who tries the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, yeah. according to the fruit of his doing. So that passage is linked with right before that is the passage we always remember 
where he, he says like the heart is deceitfully wicked yeah. who can know it yeah. and so then he says you know who knows it i do mm -hmm. well then jesus jumps on the scene matthew mark luke and john so not the gospel right but also john all of them are clear that jesus can see the the inner being of man in a way that no one else can yeah. so jesus proves he's yahweh by the fact that he can see what's going on inside yep. he can see that water if you will that's on the inside like nobody else can and what he says in each gospel in a different way is that it is from the heart that all of these issues of evil and every translation says it different you know gj's reverse it says it different yeah. but all of these issues of evil flow from the heart um ecardie the, it, it literally comes out of the heart mm -hmm. and i look at that and i say well you can apply that same thing to the to the corporate as you can apply to the individual mm -hmm. i look at the chaos of covid i look at what happened in minneapolis and i say man all this has done is exposed a division that's mm -hmm. always been there and had it not been the combination of covid and the clarity of what happened in that video I think the division will still sit underneath the surface. Yeah. The water, if you will, will still be there. Yeah. But it's just that God wanted to make sure that this thing got really shaken up. So, yeah, yeah that's what I would explain the climate as, man. Hey, man, it's I like the way question. you broke that down. Yeah, that, that was, was great. solid. <laughs> that was really good. Amen. Amen. So how is, um, you know, if all this going on, you know, you have, uh, and I'm a, this is our first time talking but yeah i'm a very our second time talking now but i'm a very i'm very much a, a not a, i don't want to say skeptic i just have trust issues so i've seen a lot of churches who have been riding a wave who ride a waves in the past and then you know i've seen people i mean people in general just riding that wave like i ran for a mod um pat myself on the back all that kind of stuff and but no genuine change so and like so now you we have this influx which is awesome but i'm kind of stepped back and like okay we'll wait and see um with all these churches who are jumping on board now who have never said anything in the past um so and i've kind of lead not not to say like you know you know that's not what y'all are doing but i just wanted to like, kind of preface that and kind of ask you like what what is uh cottage grove doing to address the um the issues of racism and injustice like um what are some of the things that you've done in the past what are some of the things that you're like or maybe you're just continuing to do because you've already been doing it? so yeah just kind of let us know yeah, one, one, I want to just uh, commend you for having that perspective of um, just having a, not a critical eye in a bad way, but more of like a, a eye that's bent towards um, looking at things for what they are and not just taking everything hook, line, and sinker. So I want to commend you for that. Um, I also know from my pop um, that LifePoint, uh, Pastor Mike, I believe is his name, mm -hmm. uh, he's been very clear on these things uh, before everything popped off, too. So just commend also you guys, church, uh, um, and, and the way uh, y'all, you know, handled these things in the past. That's just encouraging to me uh, to see a pastor step out and, and, and do those things before it's quote unquote sexy to do, if you yeah. will. So, um, so I, I think that that's one of my, my things for me is like, here's why I, I'm, if I can even maybe give some language to why you might be skeptical too, or maybe say some things that you want to say, but can't say it right now, whatever. <laughs> but but, but here, here's why there's legitimate skepticism. Um, biblically speaking, the prophet always, always, always experienced some sort of sacrificial cost in exposing the darkness of the heart. Mm. all the time 
and I'm talking both on an individual level and a corporate level. Yeah. Um, the, the, the prophet of old always, always, always experienced some sort of sacrificial cost when exposing the darkness of the heart. Mm. So you see this, and this is what Jesus is saying, um, both in Luke's gospel, uh, I believe it's, uh, I want to say it's chapter 11 when he uh, gets to some of the woes against the Pharisees and the uh, and the lawyers. But then he also uh, goes through the same thing in Matthew's gospel. And uh, one of the things that he says in both sections is he says, um, woe to you Pharisees, um, for you tithe mint and cumin, and some translations say rue, mm-hmm. um, you, you try, tithe rue, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice and the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't stop there though, because he makes a good point. He's like, you do all the good churchy stuff, but you neglect stuff that really matters to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And he says, you should not neglect the first, but you should never give off doing the latter, mm-hmm. okay? But then he keeps going. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just, a, and he says like, when, when people walk over you, because remember if they would walk near the dead, they were defiled. Yep. When people walk over you, they do it and they don't even know it. Yeah. So they're being defiled simply by being with you. Mm-hmm. And this is literally what I, I view the evangelical American church as, is we, 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 because we have not historically preached justice, <clears throat> People are being defiled and not even knowing it because they're there now as a byproduct of pastors neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice and the righteousness of God. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't stop there. This is this one of Jesus' gulliest sermons, yo. So then he keeps <laughs> going in on them, and he says, um, and he says that that the, the other thing that you guys do is you are right in line with your fathers. They killed the prophets and you built their tombs. It's almost like he's saying, yo, y'all in a family business together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like they killed him and you built their tombs and you think you're doing it as an honor to the prophets. Actually, you're just continuing the business of your of your fathers mm. who killed the prophets. And so I look at that and I say, and then Jesus goes from the blood. So he said, he said, uh, I think it's in, in Luke's account. He says, so that the blood of all the prophets from Abel to Zechariah, and you know the way the Hebrew scriptures was organized for them, was literally from Genesis to, to Zechariah. Yep. So he said, for the blood of Abel to Zechariah, all of that might come upon this generation. So he goes in on them, right? But as you really start to see what he's saying, he's saying, look historically at all the prophets. All of them were either hated or stoned or killed. Yeah. Yeah. They, they was, it wasn't pretty for them. No. Well, then Jesus comes on the scene. Who's the person who baptizes him? John, his cousin. And John... <laughs> Is fits right in line with the prophets of old. Yes, it does. <laughs> John ends up getting beheaded, beheaded, not because he was, you know, just preaching the gospel, yep. which he was, right? Yep, yeah. <laughs> but his gospel, his understanding of the coming of the kingdom of God, the inherent urgency of the kingdom of God, caused him to speak directly to power. Mm-hmm. And so he told Herod to his face. Man, you having your your brother's wife? This ain't okay, yep. biblically, in any sense, uh, way, shape, or form. Yeah. So he got arrested and then subsequently beheaded. Yep. So all that to say, even Daniel, who I would consider to be the nicest guy to the <laughs> people in power, even he gets thrown into the lion's den yep. for standing up on it, for for his convictions. So what what I would say in a Philly way is like, 
man, it was never sweet for the prophets. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like it, it was never, you know, light work for them. It was always some hard. So now Jesus comes on the scene and you ask the question. So peaceful Jesus, as we like to portray him, <laughs> what would happen to him? And Jesus at the heart and center of our gospel is a guy who died for speaking truth. Hmm. Remember, he's killed because he told him exactly who he is right. and what his kingdom was actually about. He said, yo, I'm the real king. And this is what my kingdom is about. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so backwards that none of y'all are going to like it. And they end up killing him for it. Yep. Right. Yeah. So at the heart of our gospel, we got Jesus Christ, who's killed for speaking truth. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward to the American church. <laughs> and I asked the question, where is our death? Mm. Wow. Where's our blood? Mm. Where Where's our pain? Where's our sacrifice? Yeah. The reason why you, you're, you're uncomfortable, I would say, Pastor, and why I'm uncomfortable with this new wave is because the question is, what did it cost us this mm -hmm. time around? Yeah. See, what Martin, Dr. King said this so beautifully. He said the church used to be the, the thermostat setting the temperature of the culture, but now we're simply a thermometer that reads it. Mm. Wow. That mm. right there just sums up for me what I'm seeing when it comes to that yeah is is all pastors are doing I feel like and this is just I'm just being real is they're waiting until culture disciples their people on a particular justice <laughs> issue mm -hmm. so that their people are going to be 90% okay with whatever they say from the pulpit and then they'll say it mm. as opposed to saying it before it's cute in culture yeah causing it and here's 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 the big deal and saying it from the word of God that never changes. That's yep. right. So that when people hear it, they're going to be walking away, not from a cultural idiom, but from the scripture. If they're saying no to it, they know what they're saying no to. Yeah. Because the pastor has said it from the text long before the culture was saying it from a sociological standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think because pastors have given up on that, the pulpit is no longer prophetic. Hmm. It just waits until the pews are ready to hear it. And then it says what they already want to say. Wow. And I, I think it is long overdue that we start batting lead off in issues of injustice. Amen. And other ones are coming. Mm -hmm. Other ones yep. are coming. But I don't think we've been ready in the past. Amen. So, yeah. Sorry for that long discourse. No, but that was, no, that, that was, was good. A, I, that was I, a joint I'm like really passionate about. Yep. Yeah, I love that, man, yeah. the way you broke, because that, that's been something that we've kind of been really just rebuking, that yeah. notion of riding a wave yeah. um, for the past couple months now, man, and, and I love the way you broke that down, um, and so I think it segues well into um, just this question on how do um, we as a church, the body of Christ, um, go about making true, sustainable progress um, mm. on the on the issues of racism and injustice how does mm. that happen yeah so I, I think the first thing is getting on our knees man yeah um uh, i was literally just preaching um uh, we got done you know as many churches did um you know we had a service on the george floyd uh situation mm -hmm. um and then we're preaching you know verse by verse through a book of luke so, you know, I got a lot of emails from the stuff I said from the George Floyd situation and yeah. people leaving the church and all of that. Um, <laughs> wow. But they left. Uh, the, hold on. Hold on. They left the church. Oh, brother. Come on. Man. <laughs> um, how you doing? man? Um, 
Uh, brother, <laughs> so you actually asked a great question, and this segues into me answering that question. You said, what have we done? So by the grace of God, this is one of the, the most important things I think that happened for me here. Uh, I got to this church about eight months after the church had been planted and okay. launched. Okay. The guy who started the church was a white guy, and it was, like I said, pretty much 350 white people. So it was dominantly uh, white with just literally like a handful. And I mean a handful, like five uh, minorities or something like that. So um, with that as kind of the starting point, what kind of linked me to him is that I met him the day after the church launched. The very next Sunday, because I, we are cool now, I said, I'll, I'll check out your sermons going mm -hmm. forward since you're starting this thing. Very next Sunday, he preaches the Good Samaritan, but he doesn't do so in a cute way. He starts mm. talking about justice issues in the church. Now, now any church planet, 350 people show up day one, you good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to do anything I can to maintain what we have right now. Yeah. So he goes in, second sermon, bro, second week ever of Cottage Grove Church. Wow. So I literally call him as a black dude. I'm like, bro, I love you. You proved it, bro. You got to <laughs> chill. You got to chill, bro. <laughs> you got to keep your church together, man. Yeah. Um, but. What I will say is because he was the first to take hits. Mm. And this is one of the things that I think um, our white brothers uh, and sisters, especially in leadership, must do. You haven't preached anything until you got to take hits, mm. until you see people lose, until you see money go out the door. Wow. You haven't you haven't said anything yet. Um, and that's one of the things that scares me is nobody's having to take hits yet. Mm. Um, and so he took all so many hits from the gate, mm. right? Just just standing up for what his vi the vision of his church was going to be right even in terms of planning out of a you know a body of churches he got a lot of questions a lot of pushback on just the vision of the church so he already took a lot of hits so i show up and i talk about race and all i'm doing is building on a, on a foundation that's already been laid mm -hmm. so i don't look like the black race guy and i can actually be a pastor over all issues as opposed to just a pastor over black issues amen yeah so so i would say that's that's one thing that's critical the second thing something that i think was powerful is i want to just give four steps and this is specifically for churches and you can kind of see where churches are as you start to get churches in your mind mm -hmm. because this has been something that i, I believe God has just been revealing to me more and more in terms of like what I see in scripture. So the overall purpose of this whole idea of multiculturalism in the church and unity in church comes from John 17, that we are all be one as uh, he is one. Mm -hmm. All right. But how you get to that vision because sin entered into the world is there are some aspects that we have to go back and almost press delete on and mm -hmm. start to look at things with redemptive lens. Yeah. So, there's like what I would call four phases of getting to this idea of unity. And these phases aren't linear. It's not like you get one done with one and you're done. Mm -hmm. Sanctification uh, as an individual is a process, right? Yep. Yep. Sanctification as a corporate body is a process. But here, here are four phases that I would lay out. So it's diversity, reconciliation, justice, and multiculturalism mm. in that order. So diversity, race, uh, re re reconciliation, justice, and multiculturalism. So let me explain what I mean by that. So the first thing is diversity. There has to first be an understanding of the necessity of diversity in the local church. Mm. Okay. Because based on Revelation 7, 9, okay, 
that's the picture. And yeah. Jesus already told us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Well, crazy, he, he gave us the handbook on what heaven looks like. Yep. So now we get to have our eyes set on heaven and, and actually be able to peer into that to know that diversity is not just a novelty, it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. So so this means that I need people of other backgrounds. I need people of other understandings in order to better be sanctified in my understanding of Jesus Christ myself. Yeah. This comes from Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 through 21, where he says, so that we might know along with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Amen. So what he's saying is that in order to understand multifaceted grace, it takes a multifaceted people to be able to comprehend it. Yeah. So that's the necessity of diversity. And there are many churches who never even make it to step one, mm. who just refuse to admit there is a need for diversity, yeah. wow. who truly believe that we're good if we're all white people. Literally, this argument has been put in front of my face. If you could have a church of 250 mixed people or 500 all black people, which one would you choose? I said, brother, it's so funny. You think that's like a hard question. That's easy for me. <laughs> 250 mixed people. Yes. And the reason why is because I think that'll be a greater witness to the surrounding community. And yeah. actually, if I got a, a church of 500 black people, they might be coming for culture, not for Christ. Mm. Anyway. Come on. So, so, but if you got mixed folks and they got to deal with each other, you know they, they're for one reason and one reason only. Mm. Jesus must have redeemed them. <laughs> yeah. So Amen. that's one of the things I love about LifePoint, one of the most diverse churches I've ever been in. So um, diversity being extremely important. But the next thing is reconciliation. Recognizing that because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, garden and there was a beef that was inherent within humanity, that needs to be overcome. Mm. So now we need an idea of reconciliation to overcome that. Well, the next thing is justice. And I'm telling you, reconciliation. So even some people who are cool with diversity, mm -hmm. you start talking about reconciliation, <laughs> like, yo, what you mean? Like, why we gotta, why you gotta throw out the R word, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> so churches fall off at that point and you get members to leave at that point. And we've mm -hmm. seen this happen. The next one is justice though. That in our context, in our unique context, if, if this wasn't true in our, in our American context, then this wouldn't even be that big of a deal when it comes to reconciliation. But in our unique context, when it comes to reconciliation, there has been a lot of injustice that has been done. So it's not just two people groups beefing horizontally, but one people group has been propped over the other. Mm -hmm. So the beef is more vertical. There is a power imbalance. Yeah. And so because of that, that needs to be righted before you can even start talking about reconciliation. So yeah. justice. Yeah. So you start talking about justice and that's when you're going to lose a whole nother crop of people. Mm -hmm. So we at Cottage Grove preach seven weeks just through uh, issues of justice more in an intense way. One of the few topical series we've ever did. I preached a sermon on mass incarceration on the heels of one of our pastors preaching on immigration. Um, wow. We literally had 100 people leave our church. Mm. Wow. So we took a crazy hit just talking about justice. But I think this last one of multiculturalism is the one that the that you'll lose not the members but the people. I mean, but the leaders, mm. not the members but the leaders. Multiculturalism is where the fabric and DNA of how the church is run changes. Mm. Where we're not only on the worship stage, where we're playing different music, doing gospel and all that. Yeah. But leadership structure, how it feels in there, what's important and significant to the church where organization is no longer the primary value, yeah. but relationality now has 
incredible value within the church itself where the the bible study is not just a small group mm -hmm. but where you got actual bible study because that's a cultural value of yeah. different cultures yeah. where um yes there is a, an idea of servant leadership but there's also a very high value on honoring of leaders where these start these things start to change the fabric and dna and landscape of the church mm -hmm. that's where you start to lose leaders because now the church no longer feels like the church that they were comfortable with and um and i would say that most churches on one of those things you'll find people falling off so for me if you are looking at like so where do i start ask yourself the question where are we at on, on in those phases and what is the next kind of step we can we could take and again these aren't linear but they're yeah. you know ongoing so Amen. Yeah. that was good yeah that lines man. up with a lot of uh what pastor myron said a few weeks yes. ago when we interviewed him yeah um he kind of was the, mm. another pastor he's out in omaha nebraska Mm -hmm. And especially one of the things you hit on, and he's got an awesome testimony. If you ever get a chance to go back and listen to him, and man, he just lays out some beautiful insight. He can, he's got a powerful testimony. Um, got locked up, got saved in prison, got out of prison, got connected and planted like 20 churches, something crazy like that, and just yes. been added. Um, but he said, What's his name? His name is Myron Pierce. The dude's, man, the dude's awesome. Yeah. He's wow. Been, uh, okay. He's been killing it for the kingdom, that's for sure. Yes. And wow. uh, he is um, actually. Well, we tell you, talk to you a little bit after, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, one of the things you said on, especially specifically diversity, is like you have to when you you have to understand the need for diversity, and that's what he was saying. Like yep. you have to not, not just want to have diversity just for the simple fact of having diversity to say. Like no, you need to understand you need diversity. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so hearing you say that, hearing him say that, like amen, amen. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. Um, and then wow. again, just the way you broke all that down, and man, we're praying for you. Like losing a hundred people, I know that's no that's no joke. But that's, hey, yeah, that's no joke. Man. It's no joke. But man, when you know you're losing a hundred people for speaking truth, yes, okay, amen. amen. Lord, yep. pray for them. Do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. So, oh. <laughs> it ain't all about comfort, Lord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, not, oh, amen. <laughs> yeah, oh. amen, amen. All right, man, it's it's been awesome having you. Um, but before we close. Um, are there any final words that you want to um, say? Uh, I definitely drop your social media so people can follow you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but anything last any last words you want to say? Nah, I, I would honestly uh, just leave off with um, <laughs> you know Titus to just always stands out. Mm. Uh, he says you know uh, the grace has appeared bringing salvation to all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions yeah. and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age um waiting for our blessed hope the mm. appearing of our great god and savior the lord jesus christ uh who has redeemed us from all lawlessness and mm. purified for himself a people who are zealous for good works mm. um i look at that and i say man if the church can just continue to remember what we're waiting on um, and he's given us this wonderful pamphlet in the book of Revelation. This is what we're waiting on. Mm -hmm. And everything's there. No more crying, no more tears, yeah. no, no, no more sickness, no more pain. Mm -hmm. um, but also a reconciled body where all nations, and not just nations, but he says languages, so cultures yep. are mm -hmm. present. If we can just keep our minds set on what's going to happen when he returns, we can really have our heart fixated on what we must do right now. Mm -hmm. So that's just my, my, my heart, man. And Pray that that's an encouragement to, to the good body stuff. amen that's amen are you on um instagram facebook or anything where can people yeah yeah you? so uh yeah recap g i think is uh my twitter instagram okay. uh, you can search for me on facebook recap great but yep okay yep. absolutely 
Yeah. Awesome, man. This has been educational. Amen. Definitely, Amen. man. A lot of, lot of wisdom. One day when we Thanks have God. our uh, a verse service, man, we're going to have to get you out here. We'll fly you out here. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> hey. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Um, just a reminder to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Um, definitely leave us a rating yeah. and or review on iTunes. Um, we would definitely appreciate that. We appreciate those who have already done that. Yeah, um, and just so that you guys don't miss any of the episodes when they drop. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you. Peace.